morning. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, how hard do you find it to watch the NBA playoffs now? <laughs> the Jazz are out. The Nuggets are playing the Clippers. I can just feel your shoulders sagging like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood for it. <laughs> Uh, plus, there wasn't much to watch. The Clippers just drilled the Nuggets, just annihilated them. Now, is this going to hang over from an emotional Game 7 and the Nuggets to do better later in the series and get a couple games off the clips and make it a long series? Yeah, nothing we saw in Game 1 suggested that. But we do know from playoff games, one game doesn't necessarily relate to the next. So, I think it's going to be a Clippers-Lakers Western Conference Final. And if there's anything more depressing than seeing the Lakers back at the top of the heap, it's realizing the Clippers are finally competently run, and now there's going to be two L.A. teams signing free agents, perpetually good, and it's just going to be that much harder for everybody else to get to a Western Conference Final or an NBA Final. There. I said it. That's what's demoralizing, right? We'll see if that's true. We'll see if the competence... Maybe the Lakers aren't that competent. LeBron's a one-off, and he's like the last player who remembers when the Lakers are good, and all the younger guys are just kind of shrugging like, yeah, they're a mess. We're not going there. Maybe that'll happen. Let's hold on to that thought. But the Clippers really did cruise. It was very comfortable, and uh, they won easily. Uh, Toronto won right at the buzzer. That was uh, all kinds of drama with Toronto and Boston, and Toronto needed that game, or they would have been down 3-0. Now they're just down 2-1. All right, but that's enough about the basketball playoffs. we got a football season coming up. we got a football coming up, BYU and Navy, Monday night. So, I'm going to spend uh, a lot of time in this show looking ahead to that game Monday. And if you're a college football fan and you want to do scouting, uh, BYU's next game is Army, and Army plays Saturday. So you can watch that game, or at least part of that game. Do, do a little scouting report there and uh, pull it together. I think it's early. I think it's like 1130 on the CBS Sports Network for the Army game. Come back. Uh, we're going to go down to BYU practice. Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes talking with the media. Of course, when I say we're going to go to BYU practice, I mean metaphorically because no one goes to BYU practice now. They're closed to the media, and we do Zoom calls. But uh, Jeff Grimes with the media. Also, we'll hear from Troy Warner. That's coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. BYU Navy, Monday night, ESPN, 6 o'clock, Speaking with the media as the Cougars gear up for their opener. I wanted to ask you, in terms of you being a senior leader on this team, you're getting ready for a game now that's six days out. What has kind of been the the feeling around the team as you guys get ready for this game? Uh, You know, I think a lot of guys are just excited that we get to play. Uh, Being one of the only teams out West that are actually playing right now, I think it's a privilege uh, to be playing. And I think none of us are taking it lightly. Uh, We're we're grinding every day and uh, we're excited to just go out there and play ball, uh, something we love to do. So I think we're really excited. And in terms of your role facing a triple option, your defensive back, how different is your role going into a game like this as compared to maybe facing a team who's more of a pro style or a spread? 
yeah. So I think the biggest thing is going to just be uh, eye discipline. And that, that's for everybody on the back end. And, and honestly, just everybody on the defense, on the field, eye discipline is going to be huge uh, because, you know, one little mistake stake against a team like this and it could be it could go a long way so I think uh, I think it's huge for us to just minimize those uh, mental errors and just lock into our, our 111th our, and our own assignment to get the job done this game. Troy you've played a lot of football with Matt Bushman and coming into this year seniors how hard is that and, and how do you kind of deal with those emotions and just, you know, you're, you're, you've been around football, you know, injuries happen and, you know, but, but still, how do you kind of deal with that? Honestly, it's a, it's an emotional topic. Um, you know, Matt Bushman is one of the greatest guys that I've ever met. Uh, one of the greatest players that I've ever played with. And uh, for him to, you know, go through what he's going through. Um, I kind of feel him in a sense uh, because I've had a, a major injury. Um, but for him to be a senior, for him to be going through this right now, it's tough. And uh, you know, a lot of a lot of us seniors and a lot of us players, we're just trying to do anything and everything we can to uh, to be there for him during this time. And uh, you know, he's in our prayers and. And uh, yeah, he's he's huge for he's huge to this family, and I know that he'll contribute uh, any way that he can this year. So, like, can you sum up what the emotional roller coaster has been like for you and the team the last two months, from the day that it looked like the season was going to be canceled with no opponents until five days away from playing on national television on ESPN. Yeah, like you said, uh, I think I think a lot of us, you know, we're going through a time where, like you said, COVID hit. Um, a lot of teams were canceling their season, um, and a lot of conferences canceling their season, and and we were unsure that we were going to have our own season, um, and it took a lot of mental, uh, mental and emotional strength to just put our head down and grind, uh, continue to grind. Uh, and just prepare ourselves the right way uh, so so that we could be set up to to be great in this moment uh, five five six uh, days away from the game and you know we're just excited to be to be in this position to be able to play football and uh, like I said before we we don't take it for granted sort of to piggyback on that I guess what motivation did you have what helped you to just keep wanting to put in the work um, to possibly have a season because there was times where you guys just had three games. So it was kind of questionable whether there would be a season, but what motivated you to keep going? Right. Yeah. Um, so obviously everybody on this team loves the game of football and uh, you know, that's a, that's a huge motivation in itself. If you love the game, you'll do anything and everything to, uh, to better yourself and, and on and off the field every day that you're in this building. And so uh, I guess I, I think that's just the biggest thing in, in motivating us is just the fact that whether it's one game, whether it's eight games, whether it's a full schedule, uh, the fact that we have something to prepare for and, and we have a, a greater goal in mind, I think is a, a big motivation in itself for each player here. 
Troy, I don't know if you heard, but I asked Coach Z, and we've ta- talked to Kalani. They, they came out with the depth chart that had a lot of unique names, a lot of hybrid roles. You've done that. You've, you've had your own hybrid role of being safety and cornerback, and you know a lot of guys are kind of filling different roles depending on the circumstances and the situations. What does that do for a defense when, when you have so many guys that can do so many different things like that and, and are kind of slotted in in those types of roles? Right. I mean, I think I think having a lot of versatile players is a good problem to have. Um, it, it allows, you know, it allows the coaches and, and the defense in general. Um, it, it just allows them to get the best players on the field. And uh, yeah, like I said, I think it's a good problem to have a lot of talented players, uh, a lot of depth. And uh, I, I think that's going to be a, a, a strong point for this team for this upcoming season. I also wanted to ask, Troy, you and I talked about your brother last time we were talking, and I just wondered how he was doing. So he got put on the, you know, the injured list or the COVID list or whatever it was and just wanted to see how he how he was doing right now. Yeah, he's he's doing good. Um, you know, he's kind of put in a position where things are kind of out of his control. And so right now all he can do is just control what he can control. And, uh, yeah, like I said, he, he's doing good and uh, he'll be he'll be fine. Hey, Troy, just kind of following up, because I was sort of thinking something similar to, to what what uh, Jared just asked you. But if with with regards to kind of the hybrid positions and sort of the nature of, of all those positions on offense, is that something that you guys really think about when you're out on the field or or is there a, is there a point when you're out there and it just kind of becomes becomes football, I guess, in some ways? Does that make sense? Um, yeah, I mean, I think. I think it just at some point just becomes football um, and the, the, the confidence that exudes from you as a player, right? Because as a player, you want to, you want, you want to uh, know for yourself that you're capable of doing multiple things and many things in order to help the team win games. And so, you know, that's one thing that I pride myself on is, you know, if I can't do it in, in one way, I can do it in another way. Um, any way that any way that you can that, that that they need me to do something I'm able to do it and uh, I think every I think every player that's that's a versatile guy prides themselves on that so that's that's my take on it yeah Troy just real quick um, just maybe describe the the chemistry that you feel you have with Zane Anderson on the back end of that defense this year yeah that's a that's a great question so Zane, Zane and I both have a lot of experience playing uh, at this level and a lot of experience playing safety uh, specifically. And uh, I think that plays to our advantage. Um, you know, we're able to communicate in ways that, you know, maybe a younger guy wouldn't understand. And so uh, I think it's huge for, for uh, just making plays in general. And I think it'll be a big asset for us going forward uh, on this defense. So it's, it's definitely – it's definitely a fun situation and a, and a good uh, a good thing. There is Trey Warner. Now here's the offensive coordinator, Jeff Grimes. Good practice. I think it was um, energetic. Guys are beginning to realize that we're getting close to game day. Um, but at the same time, still some stuff to clean up. You know, coaches were never pleased, never content. So still some stuff to clean up, but that's good. We need We need something to chew on them a little bit for these next couple of days. Yeah, Coach, how does the loss of Matt Bushman uh, impact the way you maybe approach play calling with you and the other offensive coaches for Monday? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'd like to start by just saying a couple of words about Matt, if you don't mind. I just um, – I'm hurt for the kid. I really am. Um, 
I've, I've been coaching for 28 years and maybe only another time or two do I remember an, an injury that that um, that saddened me as much as this one did uh, just because I've seen so much growth in Matt the past couple of years the way that he's that he's trusted us as a coaching staff the way that he's developed as a, as a leader, as um, as a complete player. Um, and, and I have no question that he was in position to have a tremendous senior year. And so we'll miss him. We really will. We'll miss his leadership and we'll miss his play on the field. Um, however, the show goes on, right? And so the next step uh, for us as a coaching staff was to sit down and say, okay, you don't replace Matt. But how can we do our best uh, collectively to uh, make up the difference? And that's what it's going to take. It's not going to take any one player just taking his spot. It's going to be uh, a collective group effort to do that. And so there were some plays that um, – Isaac Rex might just take his spot. Maybe another play. Mason Wake might. Um, on some plays, we might play. We change some from 12 personnel to 11 personnel. Um, so there are a number of plays where we just insert another tight end. Some plays, we might target someone a little bit differently as the primary receiver. Um, but it certainly affected our game plan. And, and the first thing was to try to do our best to get uh, the right guys in the right spots. As a follow-up, how well do you think those young guys are prepared to face their first game on Monday? How do you prepare them and maybe some of the other guys that have experience for different roles? Yeah. So, you know, the two guys at tight end that will take the lion's share of those reps will be Isaac and Mason and, you know, Mason has played a fair amount and, um, Isaac has played a little bit. And so I have no question that the two of them have the ability to get the job done. Um, it will be a big challenge playing against a really good team and a really good defense in their first game. And so I, I would um, suspect that they'll play well. I think they'll rise to the challenge, but it, it will be, it'll be work for them for sure. And the answer, I guess, a more direct answer to your question is just give them as many reps as we can to uh, to get them ready for those scenarios. Jeff, uh, looking back, could you describe kind of this roller coaster of emotions you've gone through from when it looked like the season was on the brink till now being on the precipice of a national televised game on Monday? Yeah. So for me, it started the day that spring ball got canceled. I was, um, I, I, we were in our, in our offensive staff room preparing for practice and every few minutes, something else would happen. Something else would get canceled. And, and uh, Eric Mateo said to me, might as well just stop. We're not going to have practice. We're fixing to cancel spring ball. And I said, no, I just can't believe that. And sure enough, before long, that's what happened. And I, and I was honestly depressed for a few days. I just, um, I, I just, I love football. I love my job so much that, that I was missing football there for a little while. And then I kind of settled in and really enjoyed the time with my family and um, made the most of that but but I still felt like there was a a piece of me that was missing for a while and I love I love my wife and my kids as much or more than almost anybody but um but I was I was missing being around these guys and I was missing the the purpose that I feel in in being a part of this team and I think I think all of our guys were 
and then uh, and then having the opportunity to come back and practice was really cool. And then when we found out that some of our games were canceled, then there was a challenge and, and kind of a new challenge. And and that was are we going to play? And I, I just kept telling the offense, prepare to play, be prepared to play. We are going to play football again at some point. We don't know who will play and we don't know when that first game will be, but we will play football again someday. And, and we just need to be ready for that day and for whomever is, is slated on our schedule first. And, and I'll commend our, our team for being willing to do that. And, yeah, the position that that we're in now to be this close to to playing a big game is uh, is exciting. I just I feel really blessed to be in the opportunity, and and I'm thankful and thankful that when everybody else in the West is not playing, that we still get a chance to. Coach, I wanted to ask you about Navy's defense. Coach Newbery last year came and really revolutionized what they were doing. A lot of sacks, really a big uptick last year. What do you see from them on film? Yeah, they are a really, really, really good defense. 16th in the nation in total defense, and they play in a league where teams score points. Um, and and uh, 10th in rush defense, 28 sacks on the year, um, high turnover margin. They're, they're good, and they return uh, most of their players from last year's defense. Um, a little bit atypical from what you would normally see with an academy defense, very aggressive, um, more more zero coverage blitzes than what I've seen from anyone probably since I was coaching at Virginia Tech with Bud Foster, the defensive coordinator there who would call a zero blitz anytime, anywhere. And, and this guy's kind of the same way. And, you know, most defenses will reserve those blitzes for specific scenarios, maybe the low red zone inside the 10-yard line or a goal line short yardage situation or the end of the game when they've got to get the ball back. You could get you could get a, a zero blitz on first and ten on your own thirty yard line, and, and he'll he'll think nothing of it. And then he'll also drop eight and play coverage and everything in between. And so there's a lot of variety, and um, and a willingness to to go after you. And so I, I really respect the guy and what he's done there. I respect their players. They play incredibly hard, and it'll be a great challenge for us. To be honest with you. Follow-up to that, I wanted to ask you, in terms of your experience facing off against service academies, have you ever faced Navy, Army, or Air Force at all? Um, you know, I played against Army once when I was a graduate assistant a bunch of years ago, and then I've played against Air Force a number of times um, when I was when I was here before, and then I think maybe one other time at some point. But a lot of respect for, for them and the kind of players that we'll be going against. Yeah, Coach, I uh, just want to get maybe an update on, on the, the running back room. Notice that there was a, an or listed between Lopini and, and Tyler Algier. Uh, what did Tyler do to really rise up that depth chart and make it uh, maybe a, an or situation between him and Lopini? Yeah, so we have a lot of confidence in both of those guys. And, and um, I think the first thing Tyler did is he, he got himself into the best shape of his career. Um, he's leaner than he has been, stronger than he has been, faster. And so I think he's in better shape than he's ever been in before. Uh, has run really hard and really physical in this camp. And then he's proven himself in the other areas as well as a receiver and as a blocker. And so he's, he's really stepped his game up and showed us that, that we can trust him to that extent. So I, I like both those guys.
what's the availability? There's been some reports about Hinkley Rapati. What's his availability on, on Monday night? Um, have to ask the head coach about that. Is he season ending or injury? Yeah, I'm not going to comment on any injuries that haven't been already publicly discussed. Coach, I, I just wanted to ask you, in terms of going into this game, you already talked a little bit earlier about how much you guys are, you've been looking forward to this. How do you assess the readiness of your offense at this point? I think we're I think we're about where we should be with the number of days that we have left. Certainly not ready to play tomorrow, um, but you never really are until you get to the day before the game. So um, I think we're about where we need to be. Uh, but you know, when you're playing young guys, particularly um, when you're playing young guys in large roles. You just you you can't get enough reps of them doing the things that they'll have to do. Um, there's there's so much experience at a number of positions, and in some of those other positions, we will use younger guys in an auxiliary role, maybe at receiver or something like that. Um, but at the position of tight end, where you have young guys who are gonna who are gonna fill the entire void, that's that's where you just want every moment that you can have leading up to the game. Jeff, you, you talked a little bit earlier about how successful this, this Navy defense was last year, but I'm curious, you know, that, that defensive line that they have is a little bit lighter. You're looking at a lot of guys that are 257 compared to your offensive line, which is over, you know, 300 plus pounds across the board. I mean, maybe what challenges come from facing a, a unit that maybe in terms of weight and size is significantly smaller? What maybe challenges does that pose? Yeah, they're very active. They don't they don't sit in the same spot and just let you block them. Teams teams like that typically are going to move around a lot, and and they're no exception. They move around a lot, and they, um, you know, you're not tenth in the nation in run defense without understanding how to stop the run. And so, uh, the way they do that is not necessarily with size and bulk, but with numbers and challenging blitz patterns. So what I mean is, if you have six blockers, then they add the seventh and play man coverage, or they create a challenge for your blocking scheme by running two guys this way and another guy that way. And they'll present a lot of numbers on the line of scrimmage for us to block either prior to the snap or soon after the ball is actually snapped through one of those blitz patterns. And so um, while they may not be the biggest guys, they're incredibly active, play really hard, really good technicians play well with their hands. And, um, and like I said, they're going to, they're going to stop the run with, with numbers and, and patterns. And then finally for, for me, I mean, how, how important is it in this game to, to have that balance against a defense that you know is, is one of the best defenses in college football from a year ago. Yeah, I think we've seen that we're at our best when when we can do both. And and I've said since I took the job that I believe the best way to play offense is to present something to the defense and 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 put them in position where they don't know whether you're going to run or pass. And there may be some games where we throw it more than we run it. Some we may run it a little bit more. It just depends on, on what's clicking that day and what the defense allows for you to do. Um, regardless, I think it's important for us to be able to do both. When we're running the football effectively, then our passing game's a little bit better. When they have to respect us throwing the ball down the field, it opens up the run game a little bit more. So they work hand in hand, and that'll, that'll certainly be the case on Monday. Yeah, Jeff, you know, reporters love to ask this question. Are you going to be in the press box or on the sideline this year? 
yeah, I'll be on the sideline again. I felt like the that uh, what happened with us the latter half of the year was a real positive, and and I'm fortunate to do that because we have great guys on our staff, and with A Rod and Steve Clark up in the box, um, that that provides me the opportunity to be on the sideline and and hopefully give something uh, that I can that I can give our team in terms of of leadership and and uh, confidence on the sideline. There's the Grime Dog, Jeff Grimes. When we come back. We'll talk high school. And- Football, high school recruiting actually. The college is recruiting the high school kids with Riley Jensen, our college football insider, and gets his thoughts on BYU and Navy and his pick for the game. That's next. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Time now to welcome in our college football insider, Riley Jensen. Joining us. On the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's going on? College football is on the horizon. And I'm curious, you know, with the BYU practices closed and the other teams in the state not playing, if you're not feeling the football vibe, maybe you're disoriented because the Jazz playoffs just ended, so it's not time yet on your sporting calendar, and 2020's got you all turned around. Or you feel like you know a lot about BYU, you're looking forward to this game to see if it confirms everything you know, and you're dialed in. I would say I have I have one word for this, 2020. Hmm. I'm, I'm disoriented, I'm confused, I'm still reeling from a Jazz loss. And I I don't know what what I want to know about BYU, and I don't know about Navy. It feels it just feels so weird, right? Like normally we'd be right in the thick of football season, we'd be right in the middle of knowing a lot, um, thinking we know a lot, and and waiting to see a little bit. So I'm I'm really really interested to watch BYU play this weekend, and I want to see. How, how this team has come together. I think that this has been an exercise in in mental toughness for everyone, coaches, players, all that kind of stuff. It's very difficult. Um, I, mean, I mean, think about think about BYU, who was planning on playing University of Utah first game of the year. Then the schedule changes, and now it's even possible that there could be more games added to the season as they're going along. So I, it's it's different than it's ever been, and I'm interested to see. It takes a mature group to be able to handle this, and I think BYU has a mature group. It'll just be interesting to see how they react. You know, as a lover of all things at BYU that I am, it's not very difficult for me to just turn my attention to BYU since they're the only team playing. But you, being a longtime BYU hater, are you going to be able to do that? <laughs> You're totally right. You're totally right. I've been I've been a, a very bitter non-supporter of BYU for a long time, and I just I, I don't know. I don't even know if I'm going to watch. So you're right. You're right. No, I I have no problem. I, I think one of the things that's fun for me being involved with Mountain West Elite is there's so many players that I've seen come through the program 
there's so many so many kids that I've seen that I feel connected to their families, and I think that's what makes football really fun is when you feel connected to programs. So, I mean, Isaiah Kafusi's dad. He, he works with me at Mountain West Elite Football, and I've had him come and speak to the kids. I mean, he's just a fantastic, fantastic human being. Um, Zach Wilson I worked with um, both as a quarterback coach at Mountain West Elite. Uh, I know his dad. I talk to his dad all the time. Um, to see these kids come through and then watch them play on the next level is really fun. So I feel a connection to every program in the state because kids are coming in and then going there. Um, it doesn't mean I'm best friends with them, but it gives you a little bit of a connection. And I think football, I think basketball, I think any sport that you're watching, when you feel a little bit of a connection to the players, it's really fun to watch. Ronnie Jensen joins us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Our question of the morning, who would have won that BYU-Utah game that should be played but is not? Boy, but you know that's that's a hard that's a hard prediction to make only only in the sense that as as dominant as Utah has been in the series the games have been so close and I feel like this is one of Kalani's better teams and I and I do feel like Utah kind of reloads reloads now but there would have been so many question marks and to play that game as the first game of the year I know it would have been close. I know it would have been head scratcher, but I probably would lean towards Utah just because they've won every one of those close games. And I, yep, I, it's just hard. Hater. I have to, I have to <laughs> pick. I have to pick Utah until BYU wins another one. I, I'll probably pick them every year until finally BYU breaks through, and then then I'll have to be a little bit more reasonable. But I just feel like there's some sort of a a mental game going on there that BYU doesn't think they can beat them in their head. Yeah, I'm surprised you didn't say, uh, you know, until BYU beats them when I'm 100 years old. Add in your biases. <laughs> so obvious, so obvious. I can see it. Don't hide it. Okay, you've always been such a huge fan of BYU. I, I don't expect anything but this from you. No, I can like honestly say, growing up on Tioga Avenue, in Precipity, New Jersey, I was the only BYU fan on my block. <laughs> That's honest. You're being honest with us. <laughs> I want to ask you something that, you know, I've been watching. They've been having high school football on. And, you know, right now, uh, like on last Saturday, I think they had like 12 hours. And then yeah. on Friday, they had the Corner Canyon Bingham game, right? And and I've got a connection to Corner Canyon, longtime Charger fan. I've been a Corner Canyon fan for 15 years. It's weird because you now. used to call them Coral Canyon until your connection became. Okay, you and know, you know what's uh, funny? You, I'm, I'm going to get sidetracked here, but you'll laugh at this. Okay. So, right, my connection has just been the last few years, right? So, right. Uh, in March, we're down at uh, we're down at St. George. And my wife says, hey, Corner Canyon is playing in a baseball tournament here at Pine View High School. We played golf. We got some time in the afternoon. You want to go over to watch them play? And I said, sure, yeah. And so we go yeah. over there and uh, sit down. I'm sitting right there in the bleachers, and they're in the third base dugout. Guy looks at me and says, you're PK, right? I said, yeah, yeah. He says, well, what are you doing here? I thought you hated these guys. You always call them Coral Canyon instead of Corner Canyon. 
And I said, no, that's Riley Jensen. He hated him, and he made me call him. Oh, you <laughs> went with it. That's where you went with it. Nice. Okay, okay, okay. Well played, PK, when I can't defend myself down there. <laughs> so I did get an opportunity to watch high school baseball before the season ended, and, and I felt for those guys for sure, as we all did in all the sports. Wait, Corner Canyon sure has it rolling right now. That's a, yeah, okay, uh, so I'm watching the game, right? And then I yeah. see this this quarterback, uh, the kid named Dart, and Jackson. they're going on about him, and he just looks good, looks, looks great. And then earlier in the week, this week, I see that uh, ASU offers him, right? And right. so my thought for you is, how do you evaluate quarterbacks at the high school level when they're getting – like eight seconds to throw, and the first option always seems to be open. And can you really get a true evaluation? How do you do? That? And I was, and I've actually been asking coaches this week at the college level. How do you do that? And I, you're basically a college level coach. You don't do it, but you play the position and you run the camps, and you've been doing this for a long time. So it's essentially asking a college coach when I ask you is how difficult it is in those situations to be able to evaluate a quarterback. Well, there's, I mean, there's there's more to just being wide open. I mean, when it, when it comes to college coaching, I think a lot of these guys are also they're 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 looking for these guys to pass the eye test. And when you watch Jackson Dart on Friday night against Bingham, and I watched I watched the whole game. I have a connection to them. Brandon, his dad, and I played against each other way back in the day. Um, and, and I've known these guys for a long time. And he's been a starter at Roy High School. When I was at Alta, we played against him. And you could just see that he had some serious tools when he didn't have anybody around him. But one one of the things that I that I think college coaches, and, and I don't think this is a fair evaluation, but this is what I think college coaches think. They look at the game and they go, does he look like a Division One player? Does he look like he stands out? And I think right now Jackson Dart stands out more than any player in the state. Um, but, you know, you know, you do bring up the point. He has like eight seconds to throw. And I've watched Coach Care, and I'm, I'm friends with Coach Care, so I don't think he'll get – I mean, he's been ripping Jackson for holding on to the ball too long. I mean, he's been <laughs> ripping him. Like, there's been a couple of holding penalties where he's blaming it on Jackson, not the offensive line. He's like, get rid of the ball. What are you doing? Right? You could see that and, during the timeouts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. And um, – what I like, one of the things that I like about Jackson, if I was a college coach, is I see Coach Care rip him, and then he drives down the field in a minute and forty-four seconds and throws a touchdown. And so there's a lot of things that go into evaluating quarterback, but it's true he has a ton of time to throw. He has unbelievable wide receiver. That's just a really, really good program and a really good team right now. But here's what I would say: if I was watching Jackson Dart. In, in all of my years of watching high school football, the one thing that I can say that stands out from any any high school uh, quarterback that I've watched, it's the quickest release from the time he puts his back foot in the ground to the time it comes out of his hand. It's the quickest release I've seen in high school football. And it's, it's really kind of fun to watch because by the time he decides to throw it, when his back foot hits the ground, it's. It, I mean, look, he's not Dan Marino, but it, it, there's some some parts of it that remind me of that because it comes out so quick and so and so accurate when he's throwing the ball. 
So he he is uh, enamored with Arizona State right now, but they tend to bring in three quarterbacks a year. So my guess is that all of the local schools who were interested in him before are still interested in him now because they think there's a decent chance that if someone else were to win the job, he might be a bounce-back kid. We've seen kids transfer and come back to the state of Utah before. So... I don't think the interest level drops in him. Uh, it's just kind of like they hit pause and think, okay, we're going to have to circle back and see how this plays out. Yeah, I don't think I don't think Arizona State's the end-all, be-all for him. I mean, I, uh, you know, apologies to the big BYU fan, um, PK, but I don't think, you know, that, that Arizona State is that much better of an offer than, you know, BYU. But I know you're a big fan of both of those teams and have been forever. So, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. he might, he, you know, Utah State might have to worry about it a little, but they'll continue to recruit him for, for a bounce-back type option, you know. And I, I think what this does, though, is it opens it up. Jackson Dart will now get a much more focused look by teams like the University of Utah, by teams like Cal Berkeley, by you know all the Pac-10 teams or Pac-12 teams, and then maybe there's somebody like Texas Tech that comes in and takes a, a harder look at him with Matt Wells' connection to here and just says, "Hey, is this a guy that can play at at, at this P5 level?" So I think to, to his credit. He's played really well at the first of the year, and oftentimes college coaches are like, hey, you're on our list. We're watching you. We want to watch these first three, four games to decide what we're going to do, and he's knocked it out of the park in his first three, four games. So I could really see him getting probably like four more P5 offers, and then then he'll have to settle in and kind of decide what he's going to do. Yeah, my intent of the question was not to focus on any individual high school kid. It was more general uh, on how you do it because you look at somebody like Jake Heaps, and I saw him play in high school, and it was the same type of deal. You know, and he was having big time receivers, Pac-10 receivers, Pac-12 receivers at the time would be able to run down the field, and they'd always be open. And so it just seemed like evaluating this position is so difficult because it's unlike any position that we have on the field, basically. One of the guys in my conversations this past week was telling me, that's why you can't, you cannot go on film. You have to see them in person. And these things that you're looking for, that you talked about, that you just said, you know, the eye test, and you have to see about uh, body positions and arm angles because when you get to the college level, that you just don't know how it's going to translate because what you draw up on the chalkboard a lot of times doesn't work and you've got to be able to do things under pressure that cannot be simulated and the only way they can be uh, basically known is when it actually happens so it seems like it's a very complicated position to evaluate oh i think so but i think I think one of the things you can do, and I know we're not singling out one player, but with Jackson Dart, you can go to his Roy film his junior year and watch him get hit under the chin every time he throws the ball and see how he does. And uh, He was still considered a really good quarterback then. He didn't have all the guys around him. So I think that kind of happens. But when you, when you have a dominant team like Bingham has had over the years, like Corner Canyon is building now, and really Corner Canyon is, is building one of the more dominant runs ever in the history of Utah. I mean, 29 games in a row. 
I mean, those great Skyline teams didn't do that. Those great Bingham teams didn't do that. And I just felt like those teams won every freaking game. And so you start looking around, and you're like, man. But but when you, when you watch somebody, it's, it's not hard to see that, like, Jackson Powers White is down the field just just – pancaking people and it's not hard to see Cody Hagan running all over the field making blocks for Noah Care. I mean there are some things that you can evaluate that are just great team plays and great hustle plays that are going on and you know I asked Coach Care about Corner Canyon I'm like what's different about coaching at Corner Canyon than, than other high schools that you coached at and he said it's effort you know it's it, I don't have to coach effort and he goes, it makes it really easy to coach when you don't have to coach effort all the time. And I, I thought that was a really interesting um, comment from him about Corner Canyon. And they're, they're fun to watch. It's a really good program. So, BYU and Navy, Monday night. Who's going to win that game? I mean, I just I, – I, if BYU really is the team – that everybody said they were going to be and, and, and that this is a really, really good team. Like, I just don't know how you can pick against BYU. I mean, um, you, you've got returning starters, you've got receivers, you've got running backs, you've got offensive line, you've got defensive returning starters. Um, I know that I know that there was a big injury with, with Bushman, which is really, really sad for him and his family and for BYU. But I just feel like I just can't pick against BYU right now. Knowing what we've known about the team in the past, moving forward, this should be a big year for Zach Wilson. I mean, I, he should be able to step up and have a junior year that is, you know, that rivals some of the junior years of the, the BYU greats. And hopefully, he'll stay healthy. So, so to me, I, I there's there's not a game on BYU schedule that I. I I kind of don't feel like they should win, or and there's definitely not one that I don't think that they could win. Yeah, I would agree with all that. I've been a believer in Wilson. I've had people in my ear tell me this kid is really good, and I've got no problem talking about individual college quarterbacks versus individual high school quarterbacks. I want to shy away from that, but the college quarterbacks, you know, it's, it's game on when it comes to this. And I believe in his ability. I haven't quite seen it yet. I don't think it's transpired to the level that I anticipated. And you know, there's various reasons and injuries being a factor and all that stuff. But all that, all that is behind him now. And it doesn't look like the competition is the greatest. And it's not going to be as good as it originally was expected with the schedule that they had had. Unfortunately, they can't play. So my thought for you, I'm expecting him to have a big, big-time season. How about you? Yeah, and I think I, I don't think there's any question that there, there's there's a thought from a lot of us that he should have a big season. Um, I hate to put the word "should" on people. I hate to "should" all over people because it's just not it's not That's appropriate. That's <laughs> but, <not> I would, <laughs> but I would say I would say that the way that he's going to do that is with with better consistency, right? I mean, he's shown us flashes. He's shown us games that are just unbelievable, but we need to string a lot of those games together, and we need to string lots of completions together and drives together. And I think if you look back at the history of BYU, which, you know, I grew up in Utah, and BYU quarterbacks were, were huge on my mind growing up. The, the, the difference between the great ones and the good ones at BYU was not were all of them talented? Did they have the ability to play in the NFL? Were they, it was the consistency game in and game out of 
you know, it's not, you know, what am I going to get this week? It's going to be, no, you're, you're pretty much going to get, if, if Zach Wilson completes 65% of his passes this year, then he should really be six out of 10, seven out of 10 to start the game every game, and six out of 10, seven out of 10 to end the game every game. And it should be consistent all the way through. And I, I think that's what the great ones do. Uh, we, we all love the flash in the pan. We all love him jumping and hurtling over somebody and then knocking the next guy down and staring him down. And we love the big throw at Tennessee because it shows you the flashes of what he can be. But I want him, if, if I were talking to Zach today, I want you to bore me with completions. Just bore me with completions all over the place. And I think that's what will, will help his legacy and help those big numbers to take place. It's just every day, just bore me with just tons of completions. And, and then when the flashy plays come, great. But just bore me with just over and over and over again, good, solid plays that you're supposed to hit. It's funny you say the word of uh, should because I was talking to some people the other day from Utah State and they were saying that when you played quarterback up there that you really were a pile of should. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> hey, you the brought it up. Thing, <laughs> the, good thing, the good thing about um, the comment that you just made is none of those guys were there when I was playing. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we should go to break, but one last okay. thing we have to touch on here to Yach's dismay because he's looking at the clock. Uh, the BYU defense, you know, there was a time when because of the Mountain West Conference schedule, you know, BYU and Utah saw Air Force all the time. We saw it twice a year. It's like we felt like we were getting up to speed on Air Force and what needed to be done. But now if you haven't seen an option for a while, how is BYU going to handle Navy? And Navy doesn't have, you know, they, they had a great quarterback, but he's gone, so now they got to break in a guy. So that was always a factor at Air Force, whether they had a new quarterback or an experienced quarterback. But how do you think BYU is going to handle the option? And are we going to look up and see that they've given up, you know, 295 yards rushing and a couple of long drives, and they can't get off the field late in the game when the offense really has it rolling, and they can't get the ball back to them? How's that going to work out? So two two things, and I'll, I'll be as quick as I can. One is – a lot of teams that are running shotgun and spread are running a spread option, which is a version of this game. So it's not as different as it used to be to look at these concepts and and play against these concepts. Now, the, and so I think BYU will adjust well because so many of these read option teams, these are just their option, their option um, type plays. They're just out of the shotgun. So. Teams are a little bit more used to playing that type of football now. The only thing that I worry about with BYU is they're not traditionally um, really good man-to-man, and if they fall asleep, when you play against a wishbone team, when you play against an option team, you have to play a considerable amount of man-to-man because all of this about stopping the fullback and stopping the quarterback and stopping the tailback is man-to-man oriented. And if you fall asleep and if your corner gets bad eye discipline, then all of a sudden they're behind you with a deep post or they're behind you with a streak. And those can be daggers. And that's that's where a wishbone team becomes a little bit scary. So you, that's what you need to watch for. Are the cornerbacks being disciplined in their man-to-man coverage and not getting their eyes caught in the backfield and the action that's going on in the backfield? Riley, as always, we should have you on again. I would love it. I would love it. All right. Next week, we'll talk to you, Riley. Thanks a lot. Okay.
Talk to you soon. There's Riley Jensen, our college football insider. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines are on the way. Stay with us.